myself again. Hi and welcome to NUFC Matters and it is Dream Team again and this is a very special episode because obviously we've been getting different people on to pick their dream teams and uh, I just thought because uh, you know a lot of people who watch the Retro Show will know George is our eldest uh, elder statesman on the, on the shows and, and Holly is our youngest presenter and uh, I just thought it would be great uh, and contrasting to get both of them on together uh, to give us the dream teams together because it just shows you the big difference between uh, people's selections. So, uh, hi, Holly, and hi, George. Hello, you all right? Yeah, yes, great. thank you. you. Great, great to see both of you on. Thanks for agreeing to do it this way. And um, without further ado, uh, you're going to pick your 11 and then give us your subs and then give us your manager. Uh, George, will come to you first um, and we will go with your goalkeeper, please. Uh, goalkeeper is... Uh, is uh, Ronnie Simpson, the, the, the cat, as he was known in the Gallagher end. Um, and uh, one of the reasons I've taken to, to Ronnie is that um, he performed at the highest level as a goalkeeper uh, at a time when goalkeepers weren't protected. Um, it's amazing nowadays. I, I find it absolutely irritating sometimes, the way in which goalkeepers are protected. I mean, Ronnie Simpson was, was at a time when he couldn't take more than two steps without bouncing the ball. Players could surround him if, if they wanted to. There was no rules to say you couldn't stand in front of him. He could only have the ball in his hands for 10 seconds and then the referee would give a free kick. I mean, all of these things uh, are just the sort of things that would uh, tie up a lot of the modern goalkeepers. But it didn't tie up Ronnie. He, he was he was a, uh, very fit. Um, and indeed, um, what I'd like to say is that People might expect with um, my age, they were looking to see names like uh, Gallagher and Veach and people like that in the team. Well, uh, I'm of the view that uh, about the mid-50s to early 60s, footballers realised they just weren't footballers. They had to become athletes. And that was, that was the big difference. And it's the big difference now. And Ronnie Simpson was one of the first to do that. He wasn't just a goalkeeper. He took, he took ballet lessons to improve his ability to leap. He, he took gymnastic lessons to improve his, improve his, uh, his physical agility and his, his physical strength. And he, he found all sorts of odd ways of, of uh, defeating some of the things that goalkeepers used to have to put up with. For example, uh, a Bolton centre forward called Nat Lofthouse made a name for himself by being standing right next to the goalkeeper when the cat caught a cross and then shoulder charging them into the back of the net. Well, Ronnie Simpson avoided that by learning how to flip the ball in different directions out of the out of the uh, goal area. So it, it's on the basis that I think he would perform in the modern day age um, probably a lot easier than he did in in the fifties when he was at his peak. He also then had to put up with all the rubbish that he got from uh, the then manager who who I had to suffer with as well, Charlie Mitten, who decided that this man who played for decades. Played, represented his country about 15 times, wasn't big enough, wasn't tall enough for Newcastle United, <laughs> and, shipped, and shipped him off the Hibernian for practically nothing. Uh, it was just outrageous. And uh, he gets picked up by Jock Steen and taken to Celtic. He's back in the Scotland team and he goes and wins the European Cup. And Charlie Mitten didn't think he was good enough for Newcastle United. So so that's why I've, I've taken to, to Ronnie Simpson. Great stuff. It's always that bit about not wearing gloves always gets me and just shows you the difference, yeah. of course, 
between goalkeepers in the past and goalkeepers now. So, Holly, who was your goalkeeping choice? I went for the current number one, Martin Dubravka. I think in my lifetime, he's certainly been one of the best. He made an instant kind of impression on the fans. He came in, obviously, on loan halfway through um, the first season back in the Premier League after we'd been relegated, made his debut against Man U, and he was absolutely phenomenal, and we did go on to win that game. Um, and I just think you can always rely on him constantly. But not only does he keep the goals out of the net and keep the score down, he does also command his box very, very well. He keeps the defence organised and he's a massive voice on that pitch, which is something that we certainly lack, um, especially in recent times. And as well, I think if it hadn't have been for Martin Dubravka, I think we probably would have went down um, some years because yeah, he yeah. Yeah. has saved so many goals that would have led us going on to kind of losing games and and obviously we would have slipped down the league. And of course, he has kind of done the defence's job for them as well. So time, times when the defence has lacked, he's really stepped up and made sure that we don't concede those goals, which has been vital. Yeah, it's a good point. I guess, George, the one thing you've seen in the years that you've supported Newcastle, George, is we've had a plethora of good goalkeepers. Yes, yes. And, and in the modern era, I think we've got the coach... Uh, Simon Smith to thank for that. I mean, if you look at the goal goalkeepers that we've had from from uh, Harper, from Cruel, from Woodman, um, the lad that's now a third choice came back from from uh, being a Newcastle Academy player, and he was uh, coached by Simon Smith. Uh, so we've had uh, had modern times. We've had really good uh, goalkeepers. But in the past, you know, people like uh, Swinburne, Jack Fairbrother. I mean, Jack Fairbrother should have played for England. Everybody, everybody in the North East felt like that. He got a B cap, but he never got into the first team. But, um, yeah, we've, we've had some superb goalkeepers. We've been very fortunate. Could I just come back on another one about goalkeepers? Yeah. I, I, in, do, in doing this, I looked at some stats about uh, time wasting in the modern era that, that uh, Ronnie Simpson wouldn't have got away with. On average, in the modern game, the home goalkeeper waste nine minutes of football time in a game. Yeah. The way goalkeeper averages about 11 minutes time wasted in a game. So there's nearly nearly 20 minutes of football disappeared because the two goalkeepers are clarking around with the ball. And last year, um, the goalkeeper that wasted the most time in a match, nearly 15 minutes, was Carl Darlow. <laughs> <laughs> That's that a great gives stat. It, gives, gives it a Newcastle context. <laughs> it does. Okay, give us uh, your right back then, George. Uh, Warren Barton comes out as my right back. Um, Warren Barton is uh, a modern day fullback in the sense that um, he's a great attacking uh, fullback, but he was also a great defending fullback. I get tired of seeing fullbacks who are. Um, Modern day labelled as uh, wing backs and great attackers, and then they look terrible when they're going backwards. I mean, some of them in the England team are, I don't regard as uh, complete fullbacks because they're, they're either good going one way or good going another, the other. But Warren Barton had had both, and he had pace. And then another thing about Warren Barton is one of those players who was always ready to receive the ball. He would never let his mates down. You could give Martin Warren Barton a suicide ball and he'd have a good go to get it for you and recover it. Not like some of the current uh, squad, uh, well, 
my current uh, midfielder, Shelby, he, he he would take a suicide ball. He's more likely to give you one. Um, where Warren Barton was always ready to receive um, the ball from his uh, teammates and get out of a uh, out of a hole if we needed. So um, it's Warren's overall uh, pl playing ability uh, and support for his team that uh, made me pick him as right back. And bear in mind, over the years, um, going back to when I was at St James's Park myself, I was coached by a former fullback called Benny Craig, who uh, again should have played for England if it hadn't been for the war. And then there was people like uh, uh, Dick Keith. Uh, Irish fullbacker was brilliant. David Craig, Irvin Natris, you can list them. All brilliant uh, fullbacks. But I think uh, one, Warren Barton surpasses them all. Yeah, good shout. Been quite a few people's teams. Uh, you're right back then, Holly. Uh, right back, I went for Danny Simpson. I think he played a massive part in the first championship season um, when we were under Chris Hewton. And I think he had a really, really good partnership with um, Joey Barton as well. I think he was one of the key players in that season, it was fair to say, and he was someone that was quite resilient. Um, he could play through injury and he'd always give 100%. And that's something that I really value in a player when no matter how like tough circumstances get, they continue playing and they give the best because that's all we want as fans. It's not necessarily about who's the most gifted and who's the most technically able, but who really fights for the badge and, and is proud to wear the black and white shirt. And for me, Danny Simpson did that. Yeah, great player. Uh, bit of an unsung yes, hero. Yeah. Bit of an unsung hero. Um, and and of course, Holly went to, went to Leicester and and went and won the Premier League. That's right. Yeah, no, it just shows you how great he can be. Um, and yet again, another bad decision from the club, obviously letting him go. But that's great that he did that with Leicester because I think he deserved it. Yeah, definitely did. Great lad as well. Good ambassador for the club. Behaved himself on nights out around the city as well. Yeah, so, uh, yeah. yeah, good good player. Sometimes it's it's not just about what you do on the pitch, but how you conduct yourself off it. Uh, okay, George, we'll go for centre-halves now. Um, your your first centre-half, please. Well, my first centre-half is, uh, is Jonathan Woodgate um, on the basis that uh, he wasn't just a, an able defender. He was a good footballer. Um, and again, another uh, modern footballer who realised uh, he had to be an athlete as well as a, as well as a footballer, and got himself superbly fit. And it's just as well he did because he, he suffered from a number of debilitating illnesses during his career, which curtailed his career massively, particularly when he was in Spain, but also with us, uh, illnesses which uh, ordinary mortals would have uh, just gone to their sick bed where Jonathan Woodgate um, trained and played through it all and kept himself as fit as he could. Um, but he, he could read the game. He, he, he was good with either foot, which is something, which is a thing in my mind. I, I get terribly irritated when I see players so uh, obviously one-footed on a football field these days. So I think of the hours that I used to spend uh, in, in, in the car park at St James's Park against the old gym with with uh, Benny Craig and Joe Richardson banging a ball against the gym wall with them shouting right foot left foot left foot right foot and and having to do it with with no thinking uh, just do it until you, you you could hit the ball well with either foot nowadays I, I it just irritates me terribly to see uh, players who are so one footed Jonathan get, good get, would get rather was uh, was. Very good on either side, 
and a superb header of the ball, uh, reader of the game, and could turn uh, in a flash, turn defence into attack with a with a clever ball and and uh, and take it forward. So that's why Jonathan Woodgate. Okay, uh, and Holly, under your first centre half, please. My first centre back was um, Stephen Taylor. I think that he was a very passionate player. He was very emotionally connected to both the fans, the city, and the club. And I think obviously he stuck with us the first um, through the first relegation. And I think he felt that relegation just as intensely as the fans did. I think the emotion that he showed really reflected how the fans felt um, at that time. And of course, he left just when Rafa Benitez came in as well. And that really, really upset me, to be honest, because I think under Rafa Benitez, he could have um, just done even better than he had done previously. I think that was a chance for him to really push on. But unfortunately, it wasn't a B. But for the time that he was here, I think he he just summarised everything that the club and um, the fans want, which is just a player that's very, very passionate, connected and feels everything that the club goes through and the fans go through just as intensely as we do. Yeah, I think the thing that sticks out for me about Stephen Taylor as well was uh, he was always somebody who was a bit of an innovator. He would come up with something which nobody else did, which was uh, a little bit annoying. That was playing in goal, maybe, when uh, when he was an outfield player, <laughs> diving across. And you um, he, he went down in that particular game where he looked like a sniper had hit him as well, Holly. Yeah. He, he certainly... 100% Newcastle fan, Holly, as well. I think that made a big difference. He wore, he wore his heart on his sleeve, didn't he? Yeah, he did. And I think that's what made him stand out for me. The fact that he was just so passionate about the club and every 90 minutes that he played, he cared about. And when we did lose, I think it affected him, whereas other players maybe don't care as much as he did. Yeah, yeah, 100%. I do, I do agree, Holly, that I think if uh, he'd been around when Rafa came, I think he, he would have been a better player. But, uh... Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I think um, yeah, he's, he's one of them who could have been coached. He, he was up for new ideas and I think that his career is still ongoing. I mean, he's made such a, uh, you know, made a good career out of football He's he, and he hasn't been afraid to take a move abroad. I mean, I keep in touch with the guy and, um, you know, genuine, genuine person, uh, heart in the right place. And a lot of people say the modern day players won't do talk-ins. Believe you me, I think the likes of Stephen Taylor, uh, Tim Kroll, etc. You'll see them on the after dinner circuit. I mean, Ryan Taylor did one pre-COVID. It was great. Kevin Nolan's done them. So I think some of the players from the from from the recent era, which which Holly will know, um, will will do quite well and have plenty of stories to tell. Certainly about Mike Ashley and some yeah. of the managers they played under. In fact, some of these stories are horror stories, ready to be ready to be unveiled on a watching public. Moving forward, but uh, watch this space, I guess. Uh, okay, next centre half for you, then, George. Uh, Philip Albert, um, the prince, uh, uh, technically one of the gifted, most gifted players I've seen. Uh, yes, he was a defender, but he, I, I suspect he could have played anywhere. He was put um, physically strong and fit, quick, uh, two footed, uh, excellent in the air. It would have been a fantastic foil for. For Jonathan Woodgate, they would, they would be an impressive pair together. Uh, but again, able to uh, defend, deter defence into attack with just a uh, a single pass, uh, or if he got in the in the position, uh, able to take the ball forward and 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 make a goal chance for himself. Uh, and I don't think anybody will forget the uh, his wonder goal against uh, Manchester United in the five one five nil one defeat of Manchester United. I mean, it was. Uh, it, most forwards would have been uh, happy to have scored that, but Philip just took it nonchalantly. Uh, so 
Um, yeah, and another nice man, another nice guy. So um, Philip Albert gets my uh, second uh, centre-back space. And uh, he has it all. The, the skill, two-footed skill, the, the head and ability, physical ability. He's quick, uh, good tackler, um, good all-round defender, but also, as I say, able to turn defence into attack quite quickly. Yeah, didn't spend much time at the back, George. I think uh, no, some of the no, no, I've done no. with those players, yeah. they've, they've often no. said Philip Albert was usually to be found on the on the opposition six-yard area <laughs> rather than his own. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think that okay. I think that's true, yes. But uh, nonetheless, I think uh, while he was with us, he, do, he did the job for us. No, definitely. Okay, Holly, uh, your next uh, player, please. Um, Colicini is my next centre-back. Um, he did captain us for a period in the 2011-12 season when we got the Europa League, which was my favourite season as a fan of Newcastle. Um, of course, he played a lot of minutes for the clubs, for the club, sorry, and um, he, he very rarely made a mistake whenever he was playing. He was a very reliable player, and I think he actually had a really good partnership with Stephen Taylor, so picking those two together um, did actually work out. And of course, he scored when we drew 2-2 as well after being 2-0 down at um, Wigan, I believe it was, in the Championship, which is a game that sticks out in my head. And then my favourite goal as well from Collegini, I know he is a centre-back, so you don't really think of goals, um, but was the goal that he scored in the 1-1 draw against Spurs away. I really do remember that goal and I, I thought it was brilliant the way he took it. But not even just as a centre-back, Collegini is probably one of my favourite players in general within the whole kind of Newcastle squad out of all the positions. One of my favourite players, I guess, Holly, at the time, but um, I, I think it always left a bit of a sour taste in the mouth. There was that FA Cup game where he just refused to play, I think. And I mean, the rumours yeah. rumors turned into facts getting out and he was one of a group of players who just didn't value the FA Cup. It was a little bit annoying. And it was sad to see his career at Newcastle soured a little with, you know, off the off the field troubles and, you know, his dad trying to take him back to, to his hometown club. So obviously family issues dragged him dragged him away. But um no doubt about it that he stood up. He was along with Stephen Taylor, I guess, and you know, he stood up and was counted once, you know, what you know, when Newcastle needed him. And um yeah, I wouldn't say I wouldn't put him as a legend for me, but I can see where you're coming from. I certainly think at, at the time, you know, that you've watched Newcastle, he's he's been a very impressive you know, very impressive player and of course he had it he had his own song i think that tells you how much the fans loved him you know yeah definitely well i must say picking this team is probably one of the hardest things i've done because i'm so limited for choice with being so young like <laughs> george's team will be so much better and i'm very jealous of the players no, no. Well, it's funny it's funny when i get that, the team sent through I, I look at the teams when they come in and i've got to be honest if i'd had to write george's team down as a guess I would have been miles out. With yours, Holly, I think I would have got I would have got most of them, but I was really intrigued to see where George was coming from. Um, but look, let the public watch it and see where see where we're coming from. So we're gonna go left back now, George. Um, who was your left I have back? To, if I could come back, I have to say in, in support of Holly that uh, I did like Colacini as a player. Um mm -hmm. I just I, in terms of what we're doing now. I don't just don't think he was in the class of, of Woodgate and Albay, and that's why he's not in my team. So left left back, um, gosh, that was quite hard as well. We, we've had some fantastic left backs in the time that I've watched uh, Newcastle United. Um, but the one that sticks out for me um, is Frank Clark. Um, again, uh, one of the uh, slightly older players who worked out that uh, being, a, being a player wasn't enough. You had to be fitter and faster and all the rest of it. 
Uh, and again, although he was a left back, Frank Clark was good with either foot. Um, there was no way wingers could take Frank Clark on the inside, and he could always show them down the line and, and keep up with him. He was very quick, uh, good in the air, and uh, able to, when necessary, be uh, an active uh, modern wing back, if you like. He, he quite often got down the left wing. So um, the other thing about Frank Clark, a brilliant reader of the game. Um, he would, he would, the sort of fullback who would uh, um, cover his centre halves all the time. You could, you could bet your bottom dollar that if if the if the forwards of the opposition got through the, the middle of the game, the the defence through past the centre halves, uh, who would be there to bop it up would be Frank Clark, and, and he, he was very reliable at that. Um, and again, um, Newcastle through and through. Uh, when Frank Clark left, I'm sure he's one of the long list of players who didn't really want to go, uh, but felt that just were pushed out the door. And uh, again, another another nice guy, but uh, for me, a good reader of the game, good two-footed player for, for a full-back, but also a good coverer of, of, of the centre-backs. If they got into trouble, I think they knew that Frank Clark would be there to mop up uh, what was left behind. So Frank Clark was, was my left-back. Frank Clark knew my father. My father knew Frank Clark. What a great yeah. song that was as well. A, a blast from the past. Okay. It was. Uh, your left back then, Ollie, please. Left back, I uh, picked um, Jose Enrique. Still to this day, I think he's got a very good connection to the fans. He was a fan yeah. favourite. Um, he really understood what it meant to play for Newcastle. And, of course... He had about 120 appearances for the club, I believe, which is a lot of game time. Um, and he did win the player of the season as well in the championship season under Chris Uton. So I think that really speaks volumes about what he was capable of. And he still speaks very, very highly of the club. And I think he's another kind of ex-player that it pains him a lot to see the current situation that the club's in under Ashley's ownership. So for me, I think it just proves that he really, really understands the club. And as well, he, you know, he was a good, good player. He always put in 100% effort and he really turned up when he was called upon. Yeah, going into the, uh, the you know the days of social media as well with with your supporting of the club and a lot of the a lot of the players have have Twitter accounts etc. And you're right, the connection is the, the connection is more there um, unless play you know unless you know people like myself when I was younger stood outside the ground or the training ground and and waited for players and, and got autographs. That was the closest you could get to them. But there's a more of a reach, isn't there nowadays, Holly, with with social media? Yeah, there is. Sorry, you can speak. It's fine. <laughs> no, I was just going to say that, that uh, you were saying Enrique was one of the ones that I struggled with a little bit when I was thinking about left back. But then there were others before Frank Clark, people like Alf McMichael, an Irish fullback, um, who was who was brilliant for us. Uh, two cup finals, you know, uh, winning cup finals and that sort of thing. But I, I still come back to the, the, the Frank Clark being the um, great reader of the game as well as all the other things. But yeah, definitely, definitely, and really definitely was, was in my thoughts. Was in my thoughts. There's no doubt about it. This, yeah, the social media thing's big, though, isn't it, Holly? For getting in yeah. touch with people. Yeah, it is, and I think currently in the side, someone that communicates really well via social media is Alan St. Maximin. You know, you constantly see him talking to fans, and that really does help as well. Actually, when it comes to the game on a Saturday. 
fans feel a little bit more connected to the player and like the northern more because they've seen messages online or them even posting photos with their family it gets like the feeling that you know them better so i think it can be a really really good thing for the club and i think that that's something that should definitely utilize um you know like strengthening communication between players managers and the fans because it's really helpful yeah okay uh okay into the midfield uh, teams are shaping up nicely uh let's go right side of the midfield george for you Oh, well, this was an easy one for me uh, in the sense that uh, I've chosen the, the, my all-time Newcastle United great. Uh, Jackie Milburn was was my right-sided midfield player. Um, a, not just a great player, um, a great, a lovely man who had the great fortune to meet when I was a, a youngster playing as a schoolboy with Newcastle. I played in the A-team when Jackie managed the A-team. Um, but apart from that... Um, this is a man who seven times in his career was our leading goal scorer. And at one period, five seasons in a row, he was our top goal scorer. Not just at outside right, but also at centre forward. He could do either. And he played outside right and centre forward for England as well. Uh, but again, I go back to this business about how football changed. Jackie Milburn was one of the older ones who realised in the uh, middle, middle to late 50s that they had to change and be athletes rather than just footballers. And Jackie Milburn made himself an athlete. He, he took up uh, the powder hole sprints. He became a, a, a handicapped sprinter and he won powder hole twice. And if, if you want to put a marker down for that, in, in that period of time, amateur sprinters were struggling to get below 10 seconds for 100 yards. Well, powder hole sprinters were doing it 10 years before the amateurs were, and Jackie Milburn got amongst that. But, of course, when he did that, he ended up going with uh, Blackburn and McNeil from Blythe, the big the big trainers there, and they took him into weights and all that kind of thing that the other footballers didn't do. Have, have a look at some of the pictures of the celebrations of the FA Cup. It, it, when you look at them in the dressing room, there's only one person that'll have his shirt off, that's Jackie Milburn, because none of the others didn't have a six-pack <laughs> some of them, so some of them took their shirts off. You'd say brown ale written here, you know, not not six packs. Uh, but Jackie Milburn was was one of the original athletes, uh, and as I say, uh, such a superb man. But um, able to play um, down the right, through the middle, and cause ha absolute havoc uh, in, in defences. But again, as I say, it's little wonder we ended up building a statue to him. If you look at his goal scoring record for Newcastle United, uh, but such a such a lovely, lovely man as well, and uh, he doesn't get the tributes uh, for his later career that he should. He went eventually got the Ipswich as manager. Well, it was Jackie Milburn that set up the great Ipswich training academy and the in the training grounds, and which people like Bobby Robson and others that followed got the credit for. That was all Jackie Milburn. And uh, yeah, we're, we're, a, we're a great player and a great ambassador for Newcastle United, but also, as I say, a lovely man. Uh, and uh, I count it as one of the blessings in my life that I actually uh, met the man and, and was able to talk with the man. So Jackie yeah. Milburn, right-sided right mid midfield. Okay, right-sided midfield for you, Holly. 
Hunting Ben Arthur for me, he is my favourite player in my whole life. And um, basically, he was just so exciting to watch. His dribbling was fantastic, and he was one of the main players in my favourite season, which was the 2011-12 season when we did finish fifth. And I think he's very, very similar to um, Alan St. Maximum, modern day. He's someone that can totally change a game. He comes off the bench, he gets everyone off their seats excited to watch. No matter how boring the game's been, he could always kind of change that game up. He had a lot of flair, a lot of character, um, so many skills and like just talented. He, he had so much ability beyond belief. And for me, though, the goal that um, sticks out most in my mind when I think of Ben Arthur was the penalty that he scored against QPR in the season following on from the Europa League when we did um, struggle to stay up in the 2012-13 and he scored that penalty which did guarantee us safety that year that's always the penalty that sticks in my mind from him but it's probably just because that season there was a lot of fear that we would go down after such a successful season and he did manage to secure that um, and I think the only problem with Hatton Ben Arfa was yet again similar to St Maximin the fact that he did lack a little bit of discipline but regardless of the fact that he lacked discipline, I still think he was absolutely second to none and just his ability and he was just so technically gifted beyond words. Yeah, OK, great. I have to confess that uh, he was one of the players that I struggled with uh, when doing this because I loved Hatton uh, Ben Arthur as well. Outstanding ability. It just that we didn't see enough of him, unfortunately, to put him in what I call my dream team. But, but I go along with you, Holly. Yes, it, exciting people is was amazing. I was at the Everton match, the away match, when he scored that fantastic goal against Everton. And I've never been in a football stand that rocked so much as that one at Everton with the away fans when, when uh, Hattam did that. And uh, the fans went to a really, really happy. And the, the gang that I had in the back of the back of the car I was driving, uh, well, drunk, drunk themselves silly all the way back <laughs> Back the Tyneside, all in the back of uh, Hatton Ben Arthur. But I, I can understand why you would like him, and I, I'm delighted that you you like him because uh, he was he was a tremendous, tremendous, and is a tremendous player. My wish is, I only wish we'd had Hatton Ben Arthur when we'd had Bobby Robson or or Rafa uh, to to look after him. I I don't think we looked after him very well, um, which is something I think uh, other people talk about elsewhere but uh but i can understand why you would like him and i, I like that a young person like you would like hatton banoffer because that's that's football that, that really is football great stuff big shout out to our sponsor spider vpn uh for all your internet security google spider vpn they come up at the top of the google search list they can protect your computer your passwords your photographs and everything on there they are the boys to trust get on to uh, skipsandbins.com as well another one of our main sponsors Telephone 0800 25 45 25 3. Email inquiries at skipsandbins.com. Website www.skipsandbins.com. Easy contract free and pay as you go waste collection. Also, a big shout out to L&G Family Funeral Directors. Another sponsor this month, 0191 389 7245. And to Darren Baldwin Funerals, uh, 304 Old Durham Road, Gateshead. Telephone 0191 478 2738. Email Darren at darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. And the website is www.darrenbaldwinfunerals.co.uk. Also, a big shout out to QTechShop.co.uk, the makers of pool tables and snooker tables in Walls and Newcastle, and to Jab Signature, the makers of our flyers. 
subscribe to the channel hit the newcastle legends logo in the bottom right hand corner hit the thumb up to like the video click share share it drop into the comment section even though we're not live today you can still comment in the section below and speak to like-minded newcastle fans uh, we're available on podcast download services such as itunes and spotify in case you miss the show and uh, just uh, pop onto our website as well the new shirt is out uh, the NUFC Matters shirt, that is NUFCMatters.com. Uh, get your black and white top uh, to cheer the lads on uh, this season. And uh, keep an eye out uh, for this event as well, coming up at the Tyne Theatre. Uh, you can buy your tickets on Woucher and on Groupon. Well worth a look in. Uh, it's an evening with Steve Howie, Liam O'Brien, Rule Fox, John Beresford, Supermac. Darren Peacock, John Anderson and Kevin Scott. The compare on the night is John Gibson. Joe Allen will be there as well. Uh, a bit of comedy uh, prior to the event. And a few of the NUFC Matters team will be in the audience. So uh, get yourself along to that. Should be a cracking night and uh, hope to see you all there. OK, let's get back to the teams. And uh, we are going on to the left-hand side now, George. Well, that was that was easy for me. Uh, uh, David Ginola um, walked it again. Um, I mean, this guy balanced two two footed, although he played on the left side, and uh, he's another modern footballer. When when he took his shirt off, you could see a real six pack. Not uh, not how many pies he'd eaten. He really, really was uh, a complete footballer. Uh, tall, racy. Uh, very strong, um, and uh, being totally sexist, the fact that he could do all of that and still look like a bloody film star used to get right up my nose. But never mind. <laughs> <laughs> I'm seeing you're picking a lot of people with six packs here, George. <laughs> well, well, it, it it goes to what I'm saying to you that that before I I maintain that before the middle fifties, footballers were footballers just because they were good with the ball. Once we got past that, they had to become fit. They had to become athletes, not just footballers. Look at the Busby Babes, 11 young men, and each one of them in their school days represented their school in the England school sports at some sport. Duncan Edwards, the great Busby hero, he won 100 metres at England school sports. He won the shot put, and he won the discus at the England school sports. And yes, he, he went on to play football for Manchester United. But you can't do all of that if you're not, not an athlete. And uh, I think that's the difference for me is, and you just look at Ginola and you can see he he he, he trained hard to uh, keep his skill. Um, and I think, uh, sadly for David, I think uh, two managers, Arsene Wenger and Lou Macari, damaged his career terribly by saying that he was a diver. He wasn't a diver. He was just a very big man who, when he ran quickly, you didn't have to touch him very hard, and he went down naturally. His centre of gravity was quite high, um, but for us, he was absolutely brilliant. Um, and I'd say I, it was hard for me because I'm comparing him with uh, left wingers like Bobby Mitchell, for example, who who was another hero of mine, uh, who was brilliant, a great goal scorer. But he didn't have the athletic ability that uh, that David Ginola had. He didn't have the head and ability that ability that David Ginola had. Very clever on the ball, but uh, David Ginola just had the complete package. And uh, uh, um, as I say, quick shot, shoot, shoot neither foot and scored some magnificent goals for 
us and set up some magnificent goals as well for Shearer and Ferdinand. So yeah, David Ginola on my left side. Absolutely brilliant. Okay, great stuff. Uh, your left-hand side then, Holly, and uh, I've got to be honest, this is the one I did predict. Um, my left-hand side is another current player, which is Alan St. Maxman. Uh, he's just, he's so refreshing. He's something that we haven't really had for years. And he's someone that totally goes against the type of football that we play, which is exactly what we want because we play the most boring football in the league. I think it's fair to say, and I don't think anyone will disagree. And he comes on and he just changes the game. He comes off the bench and instantly, it, it looks like we put a whole new starting eleven out, to be honest, because he makes that much of a difference. Again, much like Ben Arthur, dribbling, excellent. He can really throw off... Um, any goalkeeper, any defence, because you don't know what he's going to do. He's so unpredictable. He's someone that frightens a lot of teams. Any given opportunity, they'll just take him out because they don't know what to do. They panic because he's so much of a goal threat. The only frustrating thing with him is, yet again, that he, he does kind of lack that bit of discipline. He can be selfish at times. He doesn't always make the right decision. Sometimes he'll try and take on about five or six players rather than make a pass because he wants the attention, which can be frustrating at times. But overall, I just think he's great. And I think he's someone that if he stays at the club, he's only going to get better. And I can't wait to see more of him. It's just hoping that we can manage to keep a hold of him because that is a massive worry. And I can imagine that there'll be lots of other Premier League clubs sniffing around him. Yeah, it's a big worry. I mean, George, you can't help but being, you know, impressed, I guess, by ASM. He's a player yes, that gets absolutely. you out of your seat, George. Absolutely. I have to say, I suspect if he continues in the vein he started, if he were to do this in another four or five years' time, I might actually have him in my team as well. But I, 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 I considered him, but I thought that overall, in, in terms of contribution to the club over a period, significant period of time, uh, I had to go with David Chinola. Yeah. Alan yes. Great, greatly exciting player, yes. I'm okay. Looking forward to him for a year let's, or two. Let's see who you, you got in the middle. Uh, who have you started in the middle with, uh, George? Uh, do you want them both or just the one? Just the one for him. Uh, Tory Green is my first one. Uh, sadly, uh, we didn't get half out of Tony Green that we should have done, but the little that we did get... He was just uh, amazing. I, I again taking modern maxims uh, out of football, and I hear people talking about box to box midfielders and and who can do this and who can do that. Uh, Tony Green could do it all. He was box to box. He could run all day. I mean, uh, in a game, it was nothing to see Tony Green doing uh, 10, 15 uh, uh, very long runs with the ball. Um, in a, in a match which is very very tiring i'm going back to uh it feels like i'm having to go at shelby well i am having to go at shelby you couldn't get more than three runs out of shelby in a match never mind 10 or 12 or 15 um and it's from box to box but he could also score goals he could also do the the, the clever passes the long passes the short passes he could do a 60 yard pass he could do a, a 10 yard pass very significant not a very big player, and there, there's his downfall, unfortunately. He had a big heart and wouldn't back out of a challenge. And unfortunately, going into a challenge against somebody who was a much bigger person than he was, and he, could, he damaged his leg. He, he got a very bad leg injury, which he never really recovered from. But while we had him, he was just outstanding, and he, and he made people tick. 
you know, he he, he made the likes of uh, um, uh, the the wing players that we had at the time. Um, I mean, I'd love to have seen Tony Green playing with the likes of Jackie Milburn and or or with the likes of David Ginola or the likes of uh, um, Keith Gillespie, uh, who were looking for balls to put, be put at a special place. Tony Green would have supplied that. He was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, and a big a big heart for a little man. But as I say, yeah. people talk about box-to-box. Box. Well, Jody Green had it all. Top player uh, taken, uh, unfortunately, from uh, football uh, too soon with a horrific injury. But uh, still somebody who likes to get up and uh, visit Newcastle fans on the after-dinner circuit. I know he's been to a few of my events, been along to the Fairs Club events and uh, ended up working on the pools panel, um, which uh, yeah. those older viewers will remember that quite uh Quite, quite a lot. Um, okay, let's get on to your first centre midfielder, Holly. Mine is Yuan Kabai. Um, he came in obviously just after the current captain at the time, Kevin Nolan, left the side, and I think he was exactly what we needed at that time. He came into the side. Um, the most memorable game for me was when we beat Stoke three 0 at home. He scored two and he also got an assist in that game. And the the fact that we went on to win that game did push us into the top four at the time, which was a massive, massive thing. I must admit, when he was sold at PSG, it left a very, very bitter taste in my mouth. And I was quite disappointed about that. Very gutted. But during his time at the club, I thought he was really, really good and he could get up the pitch um, brilliantly. You know, he, he really he attacked well, but he could also play more defensively if he needed to. Yeah, great player to be honest um, and again yeah. don't don't sell goodbye Johan goodbye but unfortunately we did and he, he moved on but uh, yeah great great player another good selection all right George who's alongside Tony Green for you and your centre midfield oh it's got to be Peter Beardsley um, Pedro is uh, again could say the complete football I think the only, well he, he was a good header of the ball but he he struggled a little because of his, his lack of inches, but uh, he still scored some good-headed goals. But in terms of the foot, playing football, either dribbling, uh, passing, you name it, Pedro could do the lot. And he on, on his own, he could turn any side upside down and did regularly for us um, and uh, for the other clubs he played for. Uh, and uh, he uh, he had a lot to give, uh uh, to Newcastle United, and I, I regard, and I don't want to go too controversial, I regard it as a tragedy what happened uh, in our academy with Beardsley. Um, you know, I, I think uh, that was that was an event that could have been sorted out quickly. Um, my understanding is that five years before Newcastle United did anything about it, the FA had letters from parents complaining about things that were happening at the, at the academy. Five years. And uh, I think myself, what a tragedy, because he he has so much talent. And, he, and surely um, it, it could have been harnessed to pass on to uh, uh, our younger players. And, uh, you know, somebody like that in, in at the academy at the time might well have stopped Lee Clark's lad leaving us in the last week or so. Um, especially as he was a, a mate of Lee's. Um, so, but in terms of playing, uh, there are very few midfielders that could keep up with uh, with Peter Beardsley in any any sense. Um, regularly near the top of the goal scoring charts, as well as playing out of his skin. 
uh, for the club and uh, whichever club he played for. So um, uh, Pedro was uh, was my natural choice for the other midfield role. Okay, uh, you've gone with somebody with a bit more of a defensive reputation, Holly, uh, for your centre midfield. Who is it? Check to your day for me. Um, again, another player that impressed from his debut against Everton. I think in that game he had something like a 100% pass completion rate. I think pretty much all of his stats were just kind of second to none. Um, really, really excellent player. Sadly taken from us far too soon, but in his life, you know, that he did live for a short time, he, he definitely was someone that had a lot of success, not necessarily winning anything, but he made a big impression on all of the Newcastle United fans. Um of course, the goal for me that stands out is that equaliser v Arsenal when we were 4-0 down we came back 4-4. I think that was absolutely brilliant. And, you know, the celebration and the way, like, the cameras, um, you know, all the pundits reacted on TV. It was just excellent. That's something that will stick with most Newcastle fans that were around then forever. Um, such a good memory. The sad thing about it for me was the fact that, obviously, when Rafa Benitez came into the club, the partnership between Sissoko and Wijnaldum in midfield was so good that, unfortunately, it kept him out of the side. So I felt like it was a little bit, le- a little bit like badly kind of done to him, a bit harsh, because I think he could have had a chance, but, unfortunately, there was better players at the time, and then we did have the likes of Isaac Hayden and Shelby, which were kind of coming into the side then and keeping him out. So we didn't get that chance under Benitez and then moved on and sadly wasn't with us for much longer after that. But certainly in the kind of early 2010s, the 2012, 13, 14 kind of era, he was excellent. Yeah, superb player. And again, that goal is one of those goals that we'll always remember, especially those of you who were there. And also the goal he got choked off against Man City was equally as absolutely. Uh, Impressive, but uh, yeah, great. And you don't appreciate a player sometimes till they're gone. And um, you know, I, yeah. I've always my, some of my heroes have always been like players that got stuck in. Like John Anderson was probably one of my first heroes, along with Peter Beardsley, David McCreary. Lucky enough to see them play. And Czech Tioti is in there, is in their stamp. You know what I mean? Somebody who would get stuck in, uh, give a hundred percent, and uh, tragic, uh, tragic what happened to him. Okay, uh, another player who would not let this side down. No, hundred percent. Always receive the ball. Never turn his back on a, on a, on a mate. He would always receive the ball. We've had so many players at Newcastle who uh, know how to turn their back when they don't want the ball, and it it it, it hurts the side. Not check to you. He would he would always take the ball. Yeah. Certainly uh, wore his heart on his sleeve as well. Okay, this has always been the hard position uh, for people to pick on Dream Team because we've got a multitude of players that played up front and wore the number nine shirt, number 10 shirt, etc. with pride. Uh, George, give us your first forward, please. Uh, Well, the only number nine I could pick is uh, Alan Shearer, I'm afraid. Um, If it hadn't been him, it would have been Jackie Milburn. Um, Jackie Milburn gave us an out because I knew Jackie was a, a superb right winger and would have been a, a fantastic right winger to play uh, balls in for Alan Shearer. So Alan Shearer uh, gets it. Um, again, just, just look at his, his record, his, his scoring record, um, the way in which he, he guided the club along. It, it, he could have went to Manchester United and got oodles and oodles of medals and cups. He came home... Uh, I had a laugh the other day when I watched the Messi the Messi uh, press conference and they were going on about the there being two and a half thousand fans outside the ground when he was giving his press conference. But Alan Shearer come home 
there were 19 and a half thousand fans outside the ground and another 10,000 inside the ground when Alan Shearer came home. So, you know, it just reflects on, on what Newcastle United's like. And, uh, and he, and Alan Shearer represents us all and he's gone, gone on doing it with the work he's done in the, uh, with the Bobby Robson foundation, his own, uh, foundation where he, he looks after underprivileged children who are, who have, uh, disabilities, um, and I, I, I think uh, as an overall package, as a great player, as a great uh, jury, um, Alan Shearer uh, was the only choice I could make. Um, I couldn't, I couldn't get past Alan Shearer, and yeah, of course he, 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 he took Jackie Milburn's scoring record, didn't he? Yeah, and he's in a lot of teams as well, which is no surprise. Yeah. Okay, Holly, this is interesting. Your next uh, player and your first forward, please. Pat Bissise. Um, he came in in the 2011-12 season under Alan Pardew um, in the January like period after Denver Bar had obviously got a bit of an injury and then he came in and he definitely stepped up, it's fair to say. The football that was played that season I think was the best football we've played since Kevin Keegan left the club the first time and I just think well, his record speaks for himself personally, like, doesn't it really? He yeah. scored like 15 goals um, in, I think it was like 18 games or something. I could be slightly out with that. He got a few hat-tricks within those um, 15 goals. And he was just, he, he just really, really made an instant impact. He wasn't with us for as long as I would have liked him to have been. But when he did play, he was just excellent. And then he... Um, the, the goal that he scored against Chelsea, the volley, I thought that was really, really good. Unfortunately, I think as the season progressed, he did drop off slightly. The system didn't suit him as well as it had previously. But just for those few games he did play, I don't think he could have asked anyone to step up more than he did. Yeah, great player. Some wonderful goals against yeah. uh, Chelsea. Yeah, standing out in there. Yeah, I mean, look, it's it was during the Ashley era, of course, is when you watched your football, and uh, he he certainly was somebody who stood out. Some great goals. Always had a smile on his face as well. And again, somebody who somebody who the fans loved because he he got them out of their seat, which is uh, you know it seems to be a common occurrence in your team, Holly. But uh, George, your next striker comes as no surprise, I don't think, to most people. No, there. I don't think. So you sniff Jackie Milburn in on the right, you see. Um, yeah, this gives you the opportunity to play these two together. Well, if if you pick Shearer and you want a good pairing, you can only you can only pick Les Ferdinand. I mean, they were the absolute. Uh, perfect foil for one another. If one wasn't there, the other one was, and and they fed each off each other, uh, and fed each other. And uh, again, a superb athlete, uh, uh, a, a huge man, but a very uh, agile man, uh, very fit, uh, unbeatable in the air if the ball's put in the right place. Um, Two-footed, uh, no danger of him uh, having to. Uh, change feet and, and miss a goal scoring chance. Uh, if you put it in front of him, whichever foot it comes to would end up at the back of the net. And uh, as I say, it could could only pick him as the ideal foil for Alan Shearer. So uh, Les Ferdinand is my number number two striker. Okay, so Cissé up front for you, Holly. Who's partnering him? Denver Bar. Uh, same season, again, I said he did the first kind of half and then CC took over in the second half. Again, someone that had a great goal-scoring record, like scored pretty much in every game that he played during the first half, which unfortunately was cut, half, um, cut short sorry, by injury. 
someone that didn't necessarily work the best with CC at all times I must say separately they kind of did really well when they were together I don't think they did quite as well and I know I've played them as a partnership but I think it was genuinely down to the system that we did go on to play which didn't suit the two players together I think if they'd have played more of a 4-4-2 in that season then they would have linked up really well and probably played well together because I think there was a you know the potential there um but yeah again someone that just it could get you off your seat you know he um you could rely on him in front of goal and he was just a, a proper forward that someone that we really kind of miss at Newcastle in current day. Not obviously disrespecting Callum Wilson because he is good, but we don't have a wealth of talent in that department anymore. No, no definitely not. I remember him coming in as well. There was a little bit of a query as to whether they could play together, but it took a little bit of time, but they eventually managed to to, to, to play well. And uh, yeah, good good player. I just um, I just remember thinking, wow, what a powerhouse he was. And uh, yeah, great great selection. And uh, I have to great I have to see great elevens. Well, I have to say I do appreciate Holly's football reasons for putting those two in because there were two great players, there's no doubt about it. No, definitely not. So two great 11s uh, from both of you and two very different 11s. So now we're going to look at the substitutes. Uh, George, over to you for your first sub. Oh, uh, given his goalkeeper, um, he was uh, possibly one of the best shot stoppers I've ever seen. Not necessarily the, not the complete goalkeeper, but one of the best shot stoppers I've, I've ever seen. Um, and interestingly, a bit like Ronnie Simpson, uh, five foot ten uh, as Ronnie Simpson was, and, and Charlie Mitten thought Ronnie Simpson was too small. But what would you have thought about Shea given exactly the same? But Shea, Shea uh, as I said, took, a, uh, took the biscuit when it comes to shot stopping. And... Uh, I think if you look at his record of uh, of clean sheets and so on, wherever he's been, um, he came out quite well. Um, it was a hard one because um, I also liked Tim Krull and came very close to putting Tim in, but uh, I, I resisted that. I, I I got to know Tim Krull very well in, in a very roundabout sort of way. In a period of my life, working life at the university, I go to, used to go to Greece a lot uh, and used to be going to Athens about once a month, sometimes more. And usually fly back through Schiphol. And if Tim Krull had been playing for the Netherlands, I usually find myself sitting next to him on the aeroplane coming back to Newcastle. Uh, and so we got the uh, chatting and got the new other quite well. And what a lovely lad he is. But uh, at the end of the day, I thought she given just edged it as the better shot stopper. Okay, so Holly, who was your first sub? Um, George's other choice, Tim Krull, was my choice for the second keeper. Um, I just think he's someone that even to this day is massively respected by the fans. Of course, when Norwich come to St James's Park, he gets a really good reception. He's a good shot stopper, um, played for us through some difficult times. It's fair to say times when we were letting a lot of goals in. The defence wasn't particularly great, but yet he always stepped up. And another player that really appreciated his time at the club and always gave 100% whilst working really well with the defence as well. I think he's someone that got along with other people in the squad quite well, which definitely reflected on the pitch because I think he had a lot of respect both from um, the players and the fans as well as the manager. Great stuff. Okay, next sub, please, George. Uh, Alan Kennedy, um, who I thought was uh, an outstanding full-back and one of the original uh, attacking wing-backs. He was uh, superb going forward, but equally good at the back. And... Uh, 
hard worker uh, for, for whoever he played for and went on as, as you know to play many times for England never mind Newcastle and Liverpool but he, he was my next so yeah good player and uh, as you say another good servant to the club okay Holly your next one on the bench um, Peter Lovenkranz, um the hat-trick that he scored against Plymouth in the FA Cup was just a game that massively stood out for me. I thought that really um, kind of showcased his ability. He had a good partnership with Andy Carroll as well when he was at the club in the kind of 2010-11 kind of time. Um, he put in great effort all the time. He did play well with Shola Amiobi as well. His time did end a little bit um, too sharply because of injury, but again, he was just another player that I think he, he just put in really, really good effort. And he wasn't necessarily the most technically gifted, but he did try his best. Yeah. Okay, next next substitute for you, George. Um. Oh, an oldie, I'm afraid, and an oldie because I I got to know him quite well. Frank Brennan, who uh, was a superb centre-back, a giant of a man. But again, I go back to this issue about footballers being athletes. Frank Brennan, Brennan was another one who who realised very early and took to doing weights and doing all sorts of other things. And in the summer, it was a very active uh, a cricketer, even though he was a, it was a dour Scotsman, uh, but a lovely man and... Uh, as I say, he he would uh, he was my next uh, sub as a uh, cover for the back four. I would say. Um, interesting story about Frank Brennan. Um, the school I played for, the Stevenson School at Wall's End, we had black and white stripes as, as strips, and our teacher, who who was also a football coach, was Alec Tate, who played centre forward for Newcastle, scored a hat trick against Sunderland. Um, and when we were getting the team ready, Alec Tate said, "Look, I think we can win the county cup." But we're not going with those old strips that we've got. Well, we had black and white strips that had been washed so much. They were grey and white. They weren't black and white. In fact, they were nearly white and white, but never mind. Um, Alec Tate went up to St. James's Park and asked Stan Seymour if he could give him a discount from his sports shop um, for, the, for the school to get with some strips. And Seymour flat, I mean, this is his centre forward, flat, flat blanked him and wouldn't even talk about it. You know, just turned his back on him. So on his way out to St James's Park, he bumped, he bumped into Frank Brennan, who by now had a sports shop in Gallagher. I don't know if you can remember his sports shop in Gallagher, Steve. And uh, Frank says, what, what's the matter? You look upset. He says, well, that so-and-so is just, he wouldn't even give us a discount for the kids for strips. So Frank Brennan sent down to his shop. He didn't just give him a discount. He gave him a whole set of black and white strips and shorts and socks for the school. Free gratis. That wow. was Frank that was Frank Brennan, typical of the man. But he was my next defender choice anyway. In, Brilliant stuff. Brilliant stuff, that, George. Great. So love, yes, love them stories. Okay, next sub for you then, Holly. Another defender, I think. Yeah, um, Mike um, Williamson, for me, um, he did play for the club for quite a long time, left about four or five years ago, partnered up quite well with Colicini and he did keep Stephen Taylor out the side at one point. He was very, very reliable, um, a proper centre-back, you know, very tall, very kind of strong and always kind of won the ball when it was a 50-50 challenge. It was a toss-up between him and Federico Fernandez, I must say, because Fernandez for me is someone that is a massively kind of underrated um, player within the side. He's an unsung hero. Yeah, he is. I agree. 
you know, he always does step up when you need to. And I think because he doesn't really kind of do a great deal necessarily on the ball all the time, he goes unnoticed, but he just makes such a big difference. And he's, you know, he's probably the most reliable centre-back that we have at the club currently, I think. So it was between those two for me, but Williamson just edged it. Yeah. I, I like and, and obviously the manager at Gateshead now as well. Yeah. Well, I, I like Williamson until he, he had that, Ridiculous match at Leicester where there was some suspicion that he deliberately got sent off, you know. But never mind that. But you're, you're right. Yeah, I remember he, that. He did contribute. And 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 your observations about uh, Fernandes, I think, are spot on, Holly. I, I do I do think the football reasons you've given for that are absolutely right. Uh, a, a very underrated player, in my opinion. He definitely is. Okay, next on the bench for you, George. Oh, Gary Speed. Um I had to find a space for Gary Speed somewhere. Uh, another uh, legend in, in many senses of the word, but again, a midfielder that could be a defensive midfielder, he could be an attacking midfielder, he could score goals from almost any part of the field. Uh, brilliant headed goals, um, but a, a, another one who would die for the team, uh, wear his heart on his, on his sleeve. And uh, again, another another tragic loss to his family and the football generally um uh, gary and uh, really emphasizes i think how uh football along with other sports need to think carefully about uh the mental uh, uh torment sometimes these people these people in high profile positions go through and uh, but gary gary was such a nice guy again but uh, again end to end Hard tackle, uh, good header, two feet, sh shoot from anywhere in the field. Um, yeah, Gary Speed was my next one. Yeah, uh, another player sadly missed and went too soon. Okay, Holly, next one for you, next on the bench. Jonas Gutierrez. Aside from Hatton Ben Arthur, he was probably my second favourite player at the club um, just because he, he just had such a big heart. Um, you know, everything about him was just brilliant. His iconic Spider-Man celebration with the mask, absolutely loved it. It was something a bit different. He had a great connection with the fans, still does. He was um, massively mistreated by the club, in my opinion. And, of course, when he got his um, diagnosis, he wasn't really treated fairly by the club when he was struggling with cancer and stuff like that. But he did score the goal against West Ham in that 2-0 win, which did keep us up in the um, 15 the 14-15 season sorry unfortunately we did go down the year after but that was his last game for the club and he went over at the director's box you know and everyone remembers and he did the shush celebration um which just really for me just showed that you know he was going to fight till the end for the club and he did just that and the way he was treated was still something that upsets me to this day to be honest but he's yeah. someone that will always be loved by the Newcastle fans yeah, and he's got a six-pack. It's a wonder he wasn't in your team, George. <laughs> well, uh, well, look at the look at the shoulders on him as well. Uh, you know, uh, it, you you go back and in, into the fifties and find some of the older ones who who dare to take their shirts off. That yeah. would put them to shame. You know. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, good job I can compete with them, uh, but I'm not going to show you. <laughs> uh, okay, your next sub, George. Um, the last one. Oh, um, a, a personal favourite, but also a great servant of the club. And a good uh, support for the front two, uh, and even occasionally in midfield was John Tudor, an all-round attacker. Um, I think John Tudor could play right across the front, the front five, uh, but particularly in in the middle two, 
Um, and uh, as I say, occasionally could even drop into midfield. But a hard worker. I don't think he ever got the credit that he deserved simply because he made the unfortunate mistake of being in the same team as Supermac. Uh, and, uh, you know, it, how you know how could he? I mean, people were going to lord Supermac. Um, but John Tudor was an important support and, uh, to Supermac and to the team. And uh, filled in when necessary. He was, was a good hard worker for Newcastle United. And I like John Tudor. Yeah, hallelujah, John Tudor. Another good song. Uh, okay, Holly, uh, your uh, final sub. My last player is um, Remy. He did only play for one season on loan in the 13-14 season, but he just he impressed massively. Um, he scored five goals in three games, and then he went on to score three in three consecutive wins, I think it was. Um, his favourite goal for me was the last-minute winner that he scored against Aston Villa. Again, another player that did drop off ever so slightly towards the end of the season long loan, but I'd love to have seen him play for us for longer because I thought that season that he did play on um, loan just made such a big impression to the point where he's actually made it in my dream team. And I think a lot of fans will kind of remember him despite he only played for such a short amount of time. I think yeah, that's great. a show, Tolly. I do, I do like that. Can I also comment on your picture, Steve? Because he's with... He's with uh, oh, yeah, he's with Joe Kinnear, of oh. course, yeah. Well... Yeah, I can blame Joe Kinnear for getting me onto social media. I, oh, I, why? Uh, well, I had nothing to do with social media at all. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do Facebook. I wouldn't do Twitter uh, or anything like that. And then after that four-letter rant, word rant of Kinnear's when he was first appointed at St James's Park, I was just so frustrated. I wanted to express myself and and tell the world how upset I was as a Newcastle fan. So I joined Twitter and I joined Facebook and I littered them all that week with, with my opinion of joking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's brilliant. Great stuff. OK, then. Uh, who is your manager, George? Oh, can only be one man, uh, Kevin Keegan. Uh, in all the years I've watched Newcastle United and now it's now coming up to 70 Six, 75, 76 years since I've seen my first game. Um, we've had nothing like the the entertainers, uh, and it, that was him. That was his his heart was on the pitch with them players. And uh, you cannot forget it. You, you know, there's and and we became every other person's second best team in the world, never mind in the country. The years that Kevin Keegan was uh was our manager. I, I was a selector in the university in, in, in the department I was in. And uh, my applications for my, for my little course, what was a relatively little course, um, I'd lucky if I got 400 applications a year from which I needed about 50 students. It, during Kevin Keegan's time there, it shot up to over a thousand people applying to come to Newcastle. And that was all because they wanted to come to the castle to see the, the entertainers and Kevin Keegan. And uh, it, it just was amazing, absolutely amazing, the, the things that he, he did for our club. And I always have a time to give you a story about our Neil. Of course um, you have. I was awarded um, uh, an honour by the Sports Council in, in London um, for, for contributions to local sport. I was with the local chairman of the North Tyneside Sports Council. And I set up one or two things which they thought were, were worthy of, a, of, a, of an honour. I was made some sort of uh, um, fellowship with the Sports Council or something. 
And I had to go to the gates at Civic Centre to get it. And I said to O'Neill, who was in the dental school at the time, studying his dentistry, do you want to come with me and your mum and have your lunch while I'm getting this award? And he said, well, who's giving you the award? I said, well, they haven't told us yet. I don't know. So um, we're going to the Civic Centre and they were going to the, the a big room. But to get to the big room, there was one or two small rooms. And in one of the smaller rooms, I happened to look through the crack in the door and who should be there but Kevin Keegan. So I said to Marjorie, I said, he's going to be presenting me with the award. So I phoned our deal at the union. I said, it's Kevin Keegan that's going to give us this award. I've got the photo somewhere. I'll have to let you have a copy, Steve, sometime. And uh, he, but he couldn't get out of his class. So he, so he, missed, uh, he missed meeting Kevin Keegan at that particular day in Gates. And, uh, and, he, and he still spits about it today when, if somebody reminds him. <laughs> So, sorry stuff. to digress but uh, no that's good that's what people enjoy the show for <laughs> so uh, great great stuff George and uh, Holly uh, last but by no means least your manager Rafa Benitez definitely an easy choice for me in my lifetime he came into the club when I think it's fair to say we were probably at the worst point we've been one of the lowest points we were so um, in so much disrepair we were so damaged but it wasn't just kind of on the pitch it was off the pitch just everything was an unorganized mess and he came in and he repaired all that within a matter of days I think even from walking in the door it instantly started to heal over some of them wounds and the fans took to him straight away I still think it's a miracle that we did manage to get him he came in didn't manage to keep us up unfortunately but I don't think anyone was really expecting him to because it was such a difficult job we were pretty much already down Last game of the season, we won 5-1 against Spurs. St James's Park had one of the best atmospheres that it probably has done for years. It's one of the games I remember most. And it was like it was like we'd won the league, never mind being relegated. It was just crazy. Championship went on to win that, absolutely brilliant. Um, had no investment, then went on to finish 10th in the Premier League in the first season back, which is a huge, huge achievement. And even the last season that he had with us, we finished 13th, but it was still a decent season. Um, and he made the best that he could with very limited resources. He really knew how to play football. He was disciplined. He was organised. He loved the city. He loved the club. He loved the fans. And I would love to have seen him stay here, but unfortunately it wasn't meant to be. I have to say it was, it was a hard one for me because I, I am a, a thoroughly strong Rafa Benitez uh, fan and I think it's a tragedy that he's not up there sorting out all the things he, he could have sorted out for us. But uh, Good shout, Holly, good shout. Well, George, Holly, two great teams. Thanks for doing it together. I think it was great. I think it shows um, a, a wonderful array of players uh, that we've had in, in both your generations. And uh, I think it shows that we still love uh, a, an entertainer. We still love to see yeah. a player who gets us out of our seats. And, and most importantly, we love to see goal scorers. So uh, I think it's been great to have you both on to do it. Thanks very much for your time, George. Thanks very much, Holly. Thank, thank you, Stephen. Nice to meet you, Holly, and, and good luck with all your endeavours. What are you doing with your GCSEs? Have you decided yet? Are you going to do A-levels? or? Um, I'm doing healthcare, college. Good for you. Good for you. Good luck Thank with you. it. Well done, Holly. And uh, thanks a lot, guys. Take care. See you again soon. Bye-bye. Pleasure. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.
wenigste Tag. 